Hello, and welcome to the Logistics Management Podcast Series. My name's Jeff Berman. I'm Group News Editor for Logistics Management Magazine and also the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group. Today, it's a real pleasure to welcome Matt Minster to the podcast. Matt is the Chief Economist at Breakthrough. Matt's area of influence spans from forecasting both fuel and freight markets to quantifying global risk factors and connecting macroeconomics with the everyday experiences of shippers. Using research, industry data, and understanding of market fundamentals, Matt informs actionable strategies for some of the world's largest brand shippers. His expertise has been utilized in a variety of different publications, including A Course Logistics Management, Bloomberg, and many others. Matt has a master's in economics from Bowling Green State and a Bachelor of Arts in Communications from St. Norbert College. Hey, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Matt, before we jump into sort of the nitty gritty stuff, can you just please provide the audience with a real quick overview of what Breakthrough does, uh, main services, types of customers you guys serve, things like that? Absolutely. Breakthrough provides transportation management technology and market insights to many of the world's most reputable household brands. We are in the market to serve shippers. We do so on a number of fronts. We're about a 20-year-old company, and our core technology was helping the to bring transparency to the market in the transaction of energy costs on a shipment of goods. This began with truckload shipments between shippers and their carrier partners. We've greatly expanded to manage the energy transactions that are occurring in other modes of freight, such as intermodal or international container shipping uh, on, on oceans. We provide, as we've aggregated data, a number of freight services can help shippers manage their RFP process. And as we all know, a growing trend in the market and a necessity for so many business is coming to terms with what the transition to greener energy means for their business and ultimately becoming far more sustainable. So we're able to use the data and information that we've gathered in managing the energy to move goods around the country and around the globe to help shippers take action and reduce the emissions in moving those goods to market. All right, terrific. Th thanks for that overview. Um, so Matt, I thought a, a good place to start would be um, the recently issued, uh, I believe it was the advanced estimate for uh, third quarter GDP, which came in at 4.9%. And I guess it's sort of a two-part question here. It's sort of um, one, how should shippers sort of be viewing the uh, that 4.9% reading uh, as it relates to their supply chain strategies, shipper supply chain strategies, that is. And also, um, how, where does it square up or fit in sort of in the overall state of the freight economy? Excellent question. I think I can start by uh, addressing the point that with any GDP estimate, especially any that can beat estimates, we'll take it. Uh, so 4.9% did beat estimates for the third quarter, uh, came in as a surprise, definitely a surprise. Uh, there are uh, reasons for optimism around the number. There are reasons for uh, pessimism as we move forward into the holiday season. I can address both sides of the conversation. And in many ways, it's simply a reflection of how shippers, transportation service providers, you and I have felt about the broader economy throughout much of 2023. 
Mm -hmm. It's been a year of imbalanced indicators. On the one hand, we felt uh, reasonably well about the persistence of employment. We've been able to keep a relatively low unemployment rate. Uh, wages in real terms, so in inflation-adjusted terms, are growing. That had been uh, a challenge uh, for really a, a 2020, 2022, beginning of 2023, but they've returned to a point which they're growing in real terms. They're exceeding inflation, which is positive, mm -hmm. and that bodes well for the economy. Uh, on the flip side, we obviously know consumer spending has been decreasing for some time. Uh, we understand there have been headwinds to manufacturing as demand has, has decreased. We've had imbalanced inventories that were a large challenge, especially uh, at the turn of 2022 into, into this year and put the freight market into a slump for much of 2023. And so with any headline figure, which they don't get much larger than GDP, yeah. there are all these factors that exist in the backgrounds about really how we should feel about it. Uh, and as good as the 4.9% feels, it's very convoluted and continues this theme in 2023 of uh, being an imbalanced experience in the market. Okay, got it, got it. And then sort of the 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 follow up there, you know, we look at the freight economy. Obviously, you had talked about uh, sort of the reduction in consumer spending. There's obviously all these mixed signals out there. Uh, been talk of a freight recession uh, duration uh, is sort of uh, up to the individual, I guess. You know, I've heard I've heard over the last 70 weeks. I've heard over the last, uh, you know, 50 weeks. I mean, it, it just I guess it depends on on where you're coming from on, on that. Um, when we look at the freight economy slash freight recession, what are some of the things that sort of jump out at you, Matt? So first, we have been in a freight downturn uh, for much of 2023. Uh, a couple things from our perspective that jump out at me are where we sit. It's December 1st. We're uh, in the midst of the holiday season. Of course, consumers have already spent. They're well on their way to toward spending toward the holidays, given we're already arrived in the month of December. Right. The expectation from uh, many different data sources is that uh, this year's holiday season wouldn't quite be robust as last year's holiday season in terms of consumer spending, which wasn't quite as robust as 2021's holiday season. And so we're continuing to be in a, a slide in terms of consumer spending. And some of that uh, seems rather concerning, although it did begin at an extremely overheated piece uh, pace in 2021 that simply was never going to be uh, sustained post-pandemic and uh, the rate in which we were spending on goods at that point in time. But when I think about where we stand with the current freight downturn and where we're heading, we do have that expectation spending is not as strong this year through the holiday season as it was a year ago. And that's because of continuing consumer headwinds. Uh, we have had increases in, in unemployment as 2023 has gone on, although we are at relatively low historic levels, which remains positive. Uh, we, we don't have the kind of earnings from corporations we had a year ago, two years ago, uh, for many of them anyways, those that uh, did make it through uh, the pandemic with some support from greater good spending, for example. Uh, we are having a more fluid supply chain, which is a positive. Uh, but yeah. much of that's being driven by the fact that demand is down, which uh, is the unfortunate 
flip of the coin and, and negative that comes with the given scenario. Uh, something that has been positive is in some sectors, capacity that's available in the market for transportation has been resilient. For example, we've seen a lot of uh, employment come out of the less than truckload segment. However, the long distance trucking segment has been much more resilient and capacity has been maintained as companies have looked to maintain their, their workforce. Uh, and so we have, again, this mix of experiences across the market. This freight downturn from our expectations is going to continue into 2024. Uh, from our freight demand forecast or our forecast that's considering the level of shipments that we'd expect to see from our shipper base. And to give you some numbers here, Breakthrough works with more than 150 shippers across numerous industries, paper and packaging, food and beverage, food and beverage manufacturing, uh, durables manufacturing. We look at this data in an aggregated fashion. We have about $30 billion of, of freight spend that we're able to look at in near real time and okay. try to surmise what's coming in the market. We put together this data and information extend our forecasts out through 2024. It's our expectation uh, based on these data and macroeconomic variables that help drive the experiences of these shippers that freight demand will continue to slump into the first half of next year. So the number of shipments we see uh, across the market will continue to decrease on a year over year basis. We're finally going to see a flip uh, in positive terms based on our forecast near the end of the second quarter and expect that then in 2024 second half, we see some resumption of a more normal peak season growth. Now I'm not talking about uh, a 2021 peak season, even a 2022 peak season, uh, but we're back to the pre-pandemic kind of expectation of, of year over year growth and a more normalized freight cycle uh, in the second half of 2024. Okay, got it, interesting. And, uh, you know, can't help but think about things like consumer spending, demand levels, et cetera, without, without going back to inventories, which obviously have been a key theme and talking point, data point, if you will, for, for, for more than a while now, um, you know, the, obviously driven by uh, the events of the pandemic, and we're still feeling them today to, to varying degrees. How would you sort of assess or gauge the current state of inventories, I mean, you know, it, for a while there, and even still today, in many cases, when you walk through a retailer store, for example, things still look lean to, to a certain extent. Um, where do you where do you stand on sort of the current state of things as it relates to inventories? I mean, you could throw you could throw out my uh, my quick uh, walk through a target uh, analogy, but I, I just was trying to put it in a perspective for our audience. Yeah, I can throw out a, a, a couple uh, important indicators of, of where they stand. So we, we haven't returned to a retail inventory to sales ratio at levels that it existed pre-pandemic uh, that we just are not seeing the, the level of in, inventory to sales uh, recover all the way to those levels. So what, what you're talking about uh, largely represents the experience that we've had in, in the market. We had a really big miss for retail inventories uh, at the uh, 
well, during 2021, in terms of getting overly tight, they missed the holiday season in, in, from 2021 to 2022. Yeah. Uh, there was timing that ultimately spilled through 2023. And so we've been in this period that's been very difficult to manage, uh, that supply chains have had uh, obviously no help with the kind of dynamics that are happening, not only with the pandemic, uh, but with geopolitics around the world. Uh, not to mention there's uh, Panama Canal, drought circumstances, there are a lot of different shocks. Uh, I, I continue to forget that even uh, Suez Canal at one point in time along these years had had a backlog of ships sitting outside of it. So there's been yeah. plenty that has been disrupted. But we're finally recovering to a point of more normal inventories after first being uh, very tight, very lean, uh, then having uh, a bulge in inventories, just having excess inventories that ultimately slowed the freight market and was a significant factor through 2023 of our experience in the freight market. Uh, we're finally getting to a point of them being normalized. Uh, it will be interesting to see where we come out in terms of holiday sales and ultimately where inventories stand to begin 2024. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and why don't we shift from inventories over to inflation? Um, in a previous conversation we had, Matt, you had mentioned something along the lines that uh, inflation, while going down, still remains somewhat sticky. Um, so I'm curious, do you see, sort of see that trend persisting into 2024 uh, in terms of it being somewhat in tune with things getting back to a more normal flow or cadence, if you will, in terms of goods movement? Yes, Jeff. St sticky is the word. Uh, there's un unfortunately uh, no doubt about that. And I'll, I'll elaborate on it with uh, a couple indicators. So first, um, we recently had uh, personal consumption expenditure price index uh, come out uh, for the month of uh, October, in which we saw a 3% increase from year ago levels. Now that was down from September's measure of 3.4% uh, from year ago levels. So we continue to see progress, which is really positive. Where inflation will be sticky are in those markets in which it's difficult for the good that, that the consumer is purchasing to see its price change dramatically over a relatively short period of time. Uh, and it, I think uh, there couldn't be a better example than housing and its overall impact into what we experience as consumers with inflation. So yeah. a couple of measures that really stand out to me are existing home sales and how they've continued to slow. They represent about 80% of the housing market and we're at the lowest level of existing home sales that we've seen since 2010. Uh, that's driven for a f by, by a few different factors. Of course, the rate, rate environment is very prominent that it creates this very reluctant environment for consumers to want to move homes uh, because it comes with a much sig more significant cost. Uh, yeah. But also because we've had relatively low supply of existing homes on the market, the price of those homes that are on the market has remained very high and had appreciated significantly over the last few years, given the dynamics of the pandemic and what it did for uh, home values. But not only are single family homes and, and existing homes appreciating value, so too is rent. Uh, they go hand in hand. These markets uh, and their dynamics go back and forth in driving the, the price point one and the other. 
Mm-hmm. And so th- these are points of sticky inflation. When it comes to dwelling, this is not something that will change dramatically in a relatively short period of time. It'll only change once uh, the interest rates, the, the federal funds rate is, is cut and there's interest rate relief that ultimately brings down the cost of that mortgage payment for families. Yeah, uh, And so this is where inflation becomes very sticky. Uh, I did mention also earlier that uh, inflation-adjusted wages uh, are growing. And so this is another potential point of pressure, is how, how much have wages grown? Uh, we've continued to see some uh, dramatic public increases in, in wages, uh, such as through the uh, automotive worker strike. The, those become very pu- uh, public numbers. We understand that wages are increasing uh, through private companies also. No, this combination of wages and ultimately uh, housing, these are stickier dynamics to bring down the cost of or level of inflation over time. For this reason, I'm still of the opinion that, yes, we have to live through this through 2024 and then inflation will only moderate over over a period of years, even going into 2025. Okay. All right. Great. So why don't we shift gears for a moment, Matt? over to the energy prices side of things. And by energy prices, specifically, I'm, I'm talking about diesel. Um, if you look at the data provided by the Department of Energy's Energy uh, Information Administration, diesel's actually been uh, on a down downward slide uh, for a while now. Um, if I'm reading this correctly, it's been down for five straight weeks and um, seven. it's been down seven of the last 10 weeks. Uh, and the declines have been fairly significant on a sequential basis. If you take a close look at them, uh, there have been declines in the last three weeks alone of uh, 6.3 cents, 8.5 cents, and 7.2 cents, respectively. I mean, those are not small tallies, if you will. Um, and obviously, they create a, a good news scenario for shippers. Um, so, so that said, I mean, it, obviously, that's something that's really hard to predict. But um, uh, could you just touch upon, you know, the, the impact of declining uh, fuel prices at the moment at, at a time, you know, where obviously uh, the, the, the volumes are down. It, it's got to be viewed as, as a, a, a bit of a tailwind, right, for uh, the shipper community? Yes, help, helpful to anyone moving goods, no doubt about that. And something I'd, I'd add is those figures uh, you're discussing from the EIA that represents retail diesel prices, wholesale diesel prices move much more rapidly than the retail market. Uh, Ultimately, well-managed carriers can purchase fuel much closer to wholesale prices. That's where we help shippers manage their energy costs. And so if they're managing those prices closer to the wholesale market or what really represents the market price of energy in the market, then they've actually received relief sooner. Uh, and so this is an important dynamic. It's been a unique market for diesel. As a consumer, we look at retail fuel stations every day. We can see there's a dollar difference, perhaps more than that, in some geographies between diesel and gasoline prices. Mm-hmm. Diesel did not have the pandemic experience that passenger vehicle fuels did. Uh, diesel remained relatively constrained with its supply, and it's actually a dynamic that's continued to where we are now in December of 2023. When we look at five-year diesel inventories in the United States, 
or or I should say, if we look at where diesel inventories sit next to their five-year average in the United States, they're still 10% below those levels, and there still remains price pressure on the diesel. Um, but to your point, Jeff, the recent dynamics in the market, it's been driven by decreasing oil prices, uh, largely from the macroeconomy and this expectation that we and, and data that have shown we're in a slower economic environment, not just in the United States, but places uh, and other major fuel consumers like China and other countries internationally that matter a lot to the international energy market. So that's been true. Crude oil prices have come down. Um, but diesel, we're out of the seasonal peak price point for it. So it's a very seasonal fuel when it comes to price pressures. A couple times each year, refineries will go into maintenance season. In the United States, this takes refining capacity offline in the spring and in the autumn. And in the autumn, it's particularly impactful to diesel prices because we know that the freight market is hot and the, the second largest consumer of diesel in the United States, the agricultural sector is hot because of harvest timing. And so it really makes this kind of triple threat, if you will, for diesel prices, yeah. puts a lot of pressure onto them. Well, now into the month of December, this is coming off the market. And as you mentioned, shippers are getting that relief. Uh, overall, into 2024, we still think diesel inventories remain relatively tight against their historic price levels or, or those prices that we had really much enjoyed through from 2015 to 2019. Also think it's true that there's a pretty firm floor on oil prices that exists around $70 per barrel. So we don't see a lot more downward price pressure from where we presently stand on, on oil prices. And this is something that uh, even though we're in a slower uh, expectations for a slower economy in the first half of the year, we still think there's some support that keep diesel prices up in the market. Yeah, no, well well said, well said. Uh, just a couple more quick ones here, Matt. Um, you know, something that we've obviously been paying attention to for literally years at this point, you know, um, at, with the pan, with the effects of the pandemic, uh, as they began to subside, there was obviously an expected shift to services-based spending from good spending, you know, when we were all sort of cooped up at home buying Peloton uh, bikes and and doing home repairs and thing, things like that. Um, services spending obviously remains largely intact today. People going out to dinner, to ball games, concerts, et cetera. Uh, subsequently, that obviously resulted in lower freight volumes across various modes and uh, and uh, created higher inventories, which we discussed a few moments ago. So I'm just wondering at this point now, now that we're obviously way past it, how do you think the shift to services spending has impacted, I guess, both uh, the the GDP impact as well as uh, shipper strategies? It's been very profound. We knew it was going to come back at some point in time. It was a, it was a matter of time uh, to get to that healthy environment post-pandemic and an environment that consumers were more comfortable in, in getting out and consuming and and being exposed to larger groups of people in places like restaurants, concerts, et cetera. So as this transition has occurred, so too have, has that broader freight market slowdown occurred. And it's been driven by other factors such as uh, consumers working through excess savings that had been accumulated over the course of the pandemic. So it's important that uh, we're like 
you've just called out. We've gone through this transition in which shippers have needed a plan uh, not only for this broader shift of consumption from a, a really a focus on the goods and a transition to services, uh, but but also at a time when more headwinds were appearing in the market when uh, because of elevated in, uh, inflation rate ultimately and consequently an elevated interest rate environment and added costs on the consumer. This has transpired at relatively the same time. And I might also add uh, that just as the experience has been for goods, service costs have appreciated significantly. Uh, anyone who's attended uh, Taylor Swift concert will tell you that, or or even me and, and living in Green Bay, Wisconsin, we have uh, a Kansas City football team coming to town. There's a certain person that Taylor Swift may or may not be attached to on that team, and <laughs> yes, even true. that brings up ticket prices. So, of course, yeah, uh, service spending at restaurants, uh, at entertainment venues has also appreciated dramatically, and so consumers have to make a choice. Uh, that uh, they're at a point when their discretionary income has fallen significantly. And all of this creates headwinds in the purchases of goods, particularly uh, durable goods, uh, discretionary items, as I just mentioned. Uh, excellent, excellent. And then to, just to wrap up here, Matt, I, I just wanted to touch upon the uh, recently announced, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday of this week, the, the White House is rolling out uh, their the White House Council on supply chain resilience. It's pretty um, multifaceted. It, it leverages things that they've already done uh, over the course of the pandemic and before and after, uh, all with a real sharp supply chain focus, which are, are to be to be fair, are things that we have not seen a ton of um, in maybe ever uh, until the last few years. Obviously, uh, for both good and bad reasons, uh, the supply chain was uh, in the crosshairs uh, and in the public eye, if you will, especially during uh, the, the 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 heat of the pandemic. Um, so, I mean, here, here's another initiative. Um, who knows what's going to happen with it, where it goes? But uh, on, on the surface, there, there are some promising uh, there there's some potential some promising potential things there. Um, how do you sort of view this and sort of views the uh, increasing attention being paid? to the supply chain uh, inside the Beltway? So that's a two-sided coin. Uh, on the one hand, I suppose industry stakeholders can be pretty concerned that the government's paying more attention to supply chains because of uh, fears of regulations, potentially cost impacts that, that come of it in a, in a real big way. We can expect that to continue when it comes to the management of emissions in the market. That would be my mm -hmm. expectation. Uh, and it's something we're seeing play out on an international basis. Uh, to your point, Jeff, a real positive that I see come out of this is that supply chains and ultimately the infrastructure that serve, serves them is, remains in focus, which is very important in the United States that we understand where our transportation infrastructure sits. There are plenty of other initiatives that are continuing, such as the freight logistics optimization works or flow initiative as it gets discussed. Yeah. These re represent opportunities for shippers voices to be heard, uh, for transportation service providers to be heard, which remains exceptionally important uh, because we do want the opinions of individuals who are working in the industry to be at the forefront front of making positive change in the market. And so, 
your point, I, I do see more positive uh, coming from the fact that supply chain remains elevated. Uh, and more broadly as an industry, it's become far more perhaps mainstream is, is a center of attention and, and focus in the general public. And that just bodes well for recruiting talent into the industry as well, which I see as a positive. No, yeah, no, great point. Great point. Um, all right. So um, this brings us to the end of our allotted time for today's podcast, Matt. So on behalf of Logistics Management Magazine and also the Peerless Media Supply Chain Group, I'd like to just say uh, thanks a lot for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much, Jeff. I sincerely appreciate the invitation. Yeah, no, and, and we 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 uh, uh, we would love to have you back uh, in the future. So uh, we'll keep the conversation going. And um, real quick, for those of you in the audience on LinkedIn, please feel free to uh, reach out to Matt. Uh, and just to be clear, it, his last name is spelled M-U-E-N-S-T-E-R. Uh, although it's pronounced Minster, which I learned right before right before our recording. So I'm glad we clarified that. And uh, for those of you on Twitter, please feel free to give us a follow simply at LogisticsMGMT. And uh, for those of you that are not subscribed to our podcast, please just go ahead and look for Supply Chain 24-7 wherever you get your podcast. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day and we'll catch up with you soon.